0: If you have questions, thoughts, ideas, or just want to talk a little bit more about what you've heard today, we'd love to hear from you. Most of all, know that you are in our prayers as we listen together. Now, let's dive in. Well, again, good morning and welcome to worship at First United Methodist Church. We are so glad that each of you are here with us this morning. My name is Chris Durham. I am one of the pastors here. And again, we are glad to have you with us in worship. One of the things that I have learned over the years um, being a Methodist um, is a little bit about Lent. I did not practice Lent prior, or know that I was practicing Lent prior to becoming a Methodist, but one of the things I have found is that it can be a challenging season. At the very beginning of Lent, we are confronted with our own humanity, reminding us that we are from dust, and to dust we shall return. It is also the beginning of 40 days of fasting, prayer, and giving, sometimes in a way that we may not faithfully give, Otherwise, over those Sundays that we are come together, we move through the Gospels and Scripture that remind us of who Jesus was and what laid the groundwork for the week that we call Holy Week. We literally move towards Jerusalem, where Jesus is praised, riding in on a donkey, only to find ourselves at the table and in the garden with Jesus, and then standing near the cross with the others as they cry waiting and learning that Jesus isn't in the grave and that he has risen. To me, that makes for a very heavy season, but also one that is full of beauty and hope. Today, we continue on our journey on the second Sunday of Lent. This morning, Scripture is no different. We will continue our work of preparing and reflecting on the obstacles that lie ahead while also keeping the hope of a new direction as we look towards the promise of Easter. We will find ourselves in the book of Luke chapter 13. Prior to this moment in scripture, we have found that Luke has told us that Jesus has been talking a lot about the kingdom of God and what it looks like. But also, how he has turned his own face toward Jerusalem moving deliberately, knowing the animosity that he will face when he gets there. So would you join me in Luke chapter 13, verses 31 through 35. At that very hour, some Pharisees came and said to him, Get away from here, for Herod wants to kill you. He said to them, Go and tell that fox for me. Listen, I am casting out demons and performing cures today and tomorrow. And on the third day, I finish my work. Yet today, tomorrow, and the next day, I must be on my way. Because it is impossible for a prophet to be killed outside of Jerusalem. Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the city that kills the prophets and stones those who are sent to it. How often have I desired to gather your children together as a hen gathers her brood under her wings, and you were not willing. See, your house is left to you, and I tell you, you will not see me until the time comes when you say, Blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord. This is the word of God for the people of God, and so we say, Thanks be to God. Would you pray with me? Holy and loving God, we are here. We pray that over these next few moments that you may open our eyes, fill us with your spirit. Move us, O God. We pray that you would help us to put aside all of the things that are stopping us from being fully present so we can hear a word from you this day. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be pleasing in your sight. Amen. When I was growing up, my grandparents lived on a busy road in Nashville called Franklin Road. Many people drive this road going from Brentwood to Nashville and vice versa. Well, one day, a staff person at my grandfather's church, he was the pastor there, decided to play a trick on my grandparents. Now, something you must know is this was not unusual for this particular individual. He often played tricks on many people. So he decided that he would bring a rooster and put it on the front porch at my grandparents' house. So he did just that. The rooster was brought back to him, and somehow it ended back on their front porch and, well, as you can probably guess, the rooster stayed. Well, one night, my grandfather was getting ready for bed, and he heard the rooster outside, and it seemed that he was in trouble. So he got up. He had his socks on that were up to here. He had these short yellow shorts that he wore that were horrible. And he got his shotgun, and he went to the back door. He was concerned. It was at that moment that he learned that they had a fox problem. Papa couldn't stand leaving the rooster outside, so he told Dean, Dean to go and put the dogs in the back bedroom and beginning a ritual from that moment that would happen for several weeks each evening. He would open the back door, the rooster would walk through the house to the back bedroom into the master bathroom and go to the shower where he would stay for the night. Let me just tell you, it's a little terrifying when you're playing hide-and-go-seek with your little cousins and you walk in the bathroom and there's a rooster in the shower. (laughs) The next morning, he would get up. He would do the same ritual. The dogs would go into the back bedroom and he would walk the rooster out to the back door and that's where the rooster would stay until the following evening. That happened for many weeks. Until the rooster stopped showing up. It was assumed that the fox, an animal who, in Middle Eastern culture, is perceived to be cunning, devious, and intelligent, finally got the rooster. You see, this definition of the fox is not lost on Jesus. When he responds to the Pharisees upon their observation or statement, they seemed as though they were trying to protect Jesus, and to be quite honest, we really don't have a whole lot of information about where those concerns come from. They may have come from Pharisees who were still trying to trap Jesus. They may have come from Pharisees who were still trying to get, a, get Jesus away from their area. Or they could have come from Pharisees who genuinely cared about Jesus' well-being. We do know that there were some of those. Jesus continues by saying, go tell that fox for me. Listen, I'm casting out demons and performing cures today and tomorrow, and on the third day I finish my work. Yet today, tomorrow, and the next day I must be on my way because it is impossible for a prophet to be killed outside of Jerusalem. According to Rodney Clapp, Jesus is fully aware that the kingdom he proclaims and enacts by casting out demons and performing cures today and tomorrow especially among the poor and typically neglected is an affront to the powers that be you might be saying to me this wasn't about politics but if you really look at jesus you find that jesus understood the politics of the first generation or first century jerusalem better than most people Who were in power. You find that Jesus desired to change the system, a system that is designed to keep those who are oppressed, oppressed, those who are poor, poor. He desired to fulfill the prophecy that the prophets had spoken about. He desired to teach the people how to love God with everything that they have and how to care, truly care and love for their neighbor, no matter where they came from or where they were going. He desired to heal, even when it wasn't convenient according to the law. You see, in all of these desires, Jesus went against those in power. And in this moment, Jesus' response was one of, you know, I'm on this sacred journey, and there's nothing that you can do to stop me. I'm going to heal some people and move through this area, and then I'll be gone. I have to wonder, though, could the words from verse 33, Yet today, tomorrow, and the next day I must be on my way, because it is impossible for a prophet to be killed outside of Jerusalem, Could that be another moment where Jesus points towards what is to come? After all, aren't we headed that way? What is interesting is that Jesus immediately moved in his words to the Pharisees from words of instruction, meaning go and tell, to words of lament. In this moment, he expresses grief and sorrow over Jerusalem, a place who has not listened or heard any prophet who may have come their way. In fact, Reverend Barbara Brown Taylor captured the way Jesus grieved in this way. If you've ever loved someone you could not protect, then you understand the depth of Jesus' lament. All you can do is open your arms. You cannot make anyone walk into them. Meanwhile, this is the most vulnerable posture in the world wings spread, breast exposed. With all that being said, he was also saying it wasn't too late. They could still receive Jesus, though he knew that it wouldn't be the case, yet he tried. He still spoke words of hope to them. He still moved through what we call Holy Week, trying and trying. He still challenged and pushed us all, not just those in power. In the end, I think we find that many of the power players in Jerusalem at that time wanted power and, like a fox, would be cunning and devious as a way of protecting whatever power they might have, getting rid of anybody that got in their way. But ultimately, it's up to them. And ultimately, it's up to us. The question that has repeated in my mind over and over and over this week is how different is the church now from Jerusalem then? Is Jesus lamenting over us? Another place where we are pushed and challenged. We are pushed to get out of our comfort zone, recognizing that there comes a point when we cannot remain passive, but that we also must see the challenge. There comes a point when the system must change. I can tell you that I have experienced being silenced, but I have never known what it was like to be oppressed. I have experienced not having enough money, but I have never known what it was like to be poor. I have never known what it's like to be a refugee, leaving my home and much of what is in it, maybe even leaving family behind, as many are doing even right now as we speak, running from violence and war. And in some countries, being welcomed with open arms, and in others, being pushed away. I've never known what it was like to be told that I couldn't do something because of the color of my skin. You see, there are so many things within our global system, both politically and religiously, that make us like Jerusalem. The question is how will we respond? I don't know about you, but I don't want Jesus' words to be about us. Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the city that kills the prophets and stones those who are sent to it. How often have I desired to gather your children together as a hen gathers her brood under her wings and you were not willing. See, your house is left to you. And I tell you, You will not see me until the time comes when you say, blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord. I would rather hear, well done, good and faithful servant. Well done. Would you pray with me? Holy God, we thank you for these words. We ask that in these next few minutes, that you might continue to show yourself to us. Be with us as we continue forward. In your name I pray, amen.